Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Sports Radio FNZ, Kyle Bailey with you. Preppy. Preppy sitting in today. We've got Evan Smoke Ludwig joining us probably in about an hour. He's off doing uh, academic things, taking classes. We're going to make him tell us each and every Tuesday what he learned in class when he gets to the studio. So uh, Preppy's with us for another hour or so, and someone uh, actually reached out and said a couple of minutes ago, Preppy's much less annoying when he's not with idiots. I agree. You agree with that? Yeah, I feel like I do. I, they get the best of me. They make me annoying. I'm not annoying. So you think Mac and Bone yes. make you annoying? Yes, exactly. Okay, so we're going to put that on them. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that. Yep. Yeah, I'm really comfortable with that. So we'll see what Mac we and Bone... We figured it out. So you make sure to tell them tomorrow morning that this text said that they make you annoying. Yes. I, I'll tell them right now. That and the whole Bills thing, right? <laughs> but but mostly Mac and T-Bone. Mostly yes. Mac and T-Bone. All right, uh, Roman Harper, typically with us on the lunch hour here on a Tuesday. We are awaiting his arrival with bated breath. And we have so many people that have been hitting us up during the break talking about this Fernando Tatis Jr. story. Uh, Padres young superstar shortstop, 21 years old. He now leads the majors in home runs after hitting a grand slam yesterday. His second home run of the game. But at that point, the Padres already had a 10-3 lead. And they were up 7. And their manager, Jace Tingler, saying that he gave Tatis a take sign on a 3-0 count. And that Tatis missed the take sign and instead swung away and belted a grand slam to give the Padres a 14-3 lead. They would eventually win the game 14-4. But Tatis, you know, caught some hell for that. The the Rangers manager was mad at him, you know, thought that was unprofessional. You know, they were running up the score. Jace Tingler was mad at him for missing the take sign. And after doing, you know, his job, Fernando Tatis Jr. ends up having to apologize for what he did. He hit a grand slam and he had to apologize for it. And, you know, on top of all the people that have spoken out in defense of Fernando Tatis Jr., I talked about Trevor Bauer sending a tweet at about 2 o'clock this morning telling Tatis to keep swinging 3-0, to keep hitting dingers, to keep bringing energy and flash to baseball, and that the only thing he did wrong was apologize, which was a phenomenal tweet. On top of that, one of the all-time greats, Johnny Bench, also weighing in on Twitter just about an hour ago, Johnny Bench tweeting, so you take a pitch, now you're 3-1. Then the pitcher comes back with a great setup pitch, 3-2. 
Now you're ready to ground out into a double play. Everyone should hit 3-0. Grand slams are a huge stat. And then he tags Tatis Jr. in the tweet. So Johnny Bench, one of the greats, who I had the, the great fortune of interviewing here in Charlotte a couple of years ago at the Charlotte Touchdown Club luncheon. Johnny Bench weighing in also in defense of Fernando Tatis Jr. And good for him. We got David on the line. He wants to talk about this. David, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm also a Dodgers fan like you. So it's not like I take joy in the fact that Fernando Tatis is a freaking stud. Right. I mean, the dude is, is he's the NL MVP right now. Um, and I here's the part that frustrates me. I feel like if not, e, not even if it's Mickey Mantle or somebody does that, they, you know, it's tip of the cap. The great one just got us, you know, or, or even like Mike Trout or somebody like that. But I, I feel like since he's so young, the and the Padres are like in this great uh, circumstance right now where that they haven't been in since Bruce Boshi was there, where they actually are kind of excited about things. Like, I, I just can't help but feeling like the circumstances surrounding it created the situation, and it's ridiculous. Like, if he, so say five years from now, he's got like two MVPs. Like, are you still going to tell him not to swing 3 0 and, and give you a grand slam? It seems ridiculous. It's, it's nonsensical. And I appreciate the phone call, buddy. This is the equivalent of Roman Harper being in the secondary with the Panthers. Carolina's up by four touchdowns. And let's say the opposing quarterback, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, throws a pass right at Roman Harper. Easy interception. And Roman just says, well, we're blowing him out. Let me just bat this down instead of picking him off. It's that, it's the equivalent of that. It is ridiculous. Again, his own manager throws him under the bus after the game. Jace Tingler doesn't have to, to criticize him to the media. That's the worst part. Jace Tingler, after Fernando Tatis Jr. hits the grand slam, all he has to do in the clubhouse is say, you know you missed the take side, right? Don't do it again. But he doesn't have to take it to the media, especially not after Tatis just hit a grand slam and became the home run leader in Major League Baseball. The whole story is ridiculous. And again, we got uh, Johnny Bench and Trevor Bauer, all sorts of folks chiming in saying, what is wrong with this? It's exciting. It's good for the game. It's the most exciting play in baseball, maybe outside the triple play. I'd even argue that. I mean, it, <laughs> this is sports, professional sports. You're supposed to compete. Now, there, there are no slaughter rules. Now, there's no mercy rules. These are pros. If you don't want to get the, if you don't want to get blown out, stop them. Do something about it. I think Roman Harper would agree with that. What's up, buddy? What's up, boss? You doing all right? I'm good. And yes, I would agree. I thought you would. You I saw the uh, hit that grand slam. The the manager was mad. Well, they said he missed a take <laughs> sign on 3-0, and the pitcher grooves a fastball. He hits a grand slam. Apparently, he missed the take sign A, and both managers were mad at him because it seemed like they were running up the score. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this isn't a middle school AAU basketball game. No, it's the pros. Right. I mean, it's not his fault. Three other guys are on base either. No, it's not. And I just said a minute ago, this is the equivalent of you, a surefire interception when you're up by four touchdowns, batting it down because it's the wrong thing to do. What are you talking about? No, and you always go for that. And not only that, but how do we know if Tatis doesn't have like a... Some kind of clause in his contract that says if I get so many home runs, they I all get do. it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they like, all do. You don't think that we know that? You don't think we keep up with that things? Like, we do. And I don't blame him. I'm swinging. I mean... If it was a great ball to hit, I mean, he hit a home run. What are we complaining about? Nothing. <laughs> Outside of Rangers fans, literally everybody watching was excited by that play. Yeah. But but he was supposed to instead just take the pitch. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Roman Harper, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, everybody's favorite Panthers safety, and of course now an SEC Network analyst back with us in studio for the lunch hour. 
First of all, I saw your uh, your Instagram post last night. You got the home studio set up. You're on the SEC network last night for the schedule reveal. Is it is it feeling natural? Uh, you know, it feels so unnatural to like to really get the vibe when you're going. Somebody like me and you, I can see you. We're t- we can go back and forth banter and like when you're just looking at a, a studio setup, but it's just a camera in my own man room and. You don't know when you're going to be able to get in. It's really hard to kind of go back and forth sometimes. It's a little awkward, but, I, I mean, you'll get used to it. I mean, uh, everybody said the show went well. Everybody was so excited just to have a schedule release. That schedule was totally off the chain because it, they switched up. I thought the SEC did a great job because they switched up some games. When teams will be playing, Alabama normally plays Texas A&M at the end of the year. They're playing them early. You thought Georgia was going to play Alabama at the beginning of the year. They're playing them later on in the year. Uh, Alabama-Auburn's not the last game of the season. When people are having bye weeks and when they come and who they play after that, those are all very, very tricky games. And there's no break. I feel bad for Arkansas. Oh, <laughs> They're going to get slaughtered. I feel bad for them. I, I really do. I really do. It's a couple teams that you come out, you know, these two added games that come in. They, some teams did not get a good draw. It was uh, it's in some teams that, you know, they could do better because of the draw. LSU is one of those teams. They lose playing Texas. They pick up Missouri and Vanderbilt. So that's a three-game swing for uh, for LSU. That, that looks better on their schedule. They're going to look stronger than what they possibly could be as a team as a whole. Um, and a lot of other teams, it's just really, really interesting how this whole thing played out. So, you know, you were on that, that reveal show last night. Mm-hmm. Also last night, Reese Davis said they should go to a 10-game conference schedule full-time. <laughs> I agree with him. I'm all about it. Now, where do you – now, see, here's the thing. Before you even answer that, I suspect you may not be for it because the grind of oh the SEC God. will be yeah. too much. See, that's what I thought. <laughs> well, the SEC is going to destroy themselves. Like, nobody's going to be left. Oh, poor SEC. They're, nobody's going to be left. Like – I look at this. I don't see many. It's so hard. I was looking at that that schedule. And I'm just like, I don't know if anybody. First of all, I don't think anybody's going undefeated. I, I don't. The schedule's way too hard, and you don't get a break when you normally get those those team when you play like a a directional school of some school, whatever. Or everybody has them on their schedule. They a couple shouldn't. of them, and now they're no longer there. There's no breaks. There's no breaks at all, and it gets really hard and really tough. And when you think you got a breather. You really don't. It, it could. You it, you really can't overlook anybody. Kentucky's not a bad team. Kentucky's going to be better. Uh, it, it's it's really exciting to see it. And Reese was on to something. But it, yes, we want ten game schedule when nobody else. But if the ACC plays a ten game schedule, it's not the same. Pac ten, if they do it, oh, it's not the same. Oh, get out of here! Come on, man. Are you are you really you really think that the Big Twelve plays just a Big Twelve schedule? No, it's what, the no, same. Hold on, but I don't. It's, it's not even about it being the same. Okay, it's that we all know the SEC is the big dog in college football. Nobody, right. I don't dispute that. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the ACC, for instance, has put the second most players in the NFL behind the SEC. So what I'm saying is, to that point, you have a large group of very big, talented, fast, strong athletes that end up playing, you know, NFL football on Sundays. It's not as if there's some vast difference, you know, between Alabama having to play, I don't know, Vanderbilt instead of Savannah State, and let's say, I don't know, Carolina having to play. Pick a team, Virginia, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't think it's I that big a difference that. in wear and tear. That's all. Yes. And I think from a, a an entertainment standpoint, right, we've entered a time where college football is still huge on Saturdays, but people have so many different options for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, so many different places they can take their entertainment dollar. You know, it, I, as, a, as an alum of Virginia Tech football, you know I love Virginia Tech football. 
if they're playing ODU, well, that's a bad example. If they're playing, uh, you know, Wofford on a Saturday, that game. it's a terrible example. I can't believe I just did that to myself. If, I'm going to check in for the first quarter or two, and then once they're up 30 points, I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm going to go do something else. I don't want to see that stuff anymore. So I'd like to see these teams get away from that. Uh, you know what, man? And when you put it, so if it's going to be level, then yes. If everybody has to do it, then yes. And you sign everybody up to do it, then yes. It's just really hard to think that some of these bottom feeders are – they're going to be able to survive. It's really, really tough. Um, it, some of the bottom tier teams in these conferences, it's going to make it really, really tough on them because there's no break. When are you going to pick up a win? When are you going to pick up a win? I don't know. I can't and, believe and, I just trolled you, myself. How, how, how are you going to feel emotion, emotional when – how are you going to justify keeping different coaches in your, in your conference when <laughs> you're going winless? You're picking up one or two wins. That's their problem, not mine. I'm oh the, I'm the viewer. Especially I'm the in the SEC West. The SEC West, I mean, the, the most difficult part of it, you know, that, that Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach are going to have to deal with is really just not so much the lack of talent or lack of recruiting options or anything else. It's just that, man, you got to play Alabama, Ole Miss, uh, LSU, the the uh, uh, Arkansas, and Auburn. Like, these are tough games, and you're going to have to go on the road to some tough places. This year, it's a totally different environment. I think... With now the empty stadiums, I'm really excited because me, that makes me, that takes me back to training camp. Training camp in the NFL, when we're going on the road and we're visiting against another team, all right, we're in practice against another team, where next you know you're going ones-on-ones, it ratchets up a little bit, competition still goes high, there's no crowd, you can hear everybody talking, and next you know you hear some real thudding going on and some real popping going on real soon. And I think that's where it initially takes me. Without the crowd, without all the crowd and no, no distractions, that's where it mentally, that's the picture that I can really just uh, relate to. So, first of all, you said, what about the coaches, essentially? Well, I, I get where you're coming from. Here's a thought, though. How about some of these schools have a little more patience with some of these coaches, like Kentucky did with Mark Stoops? Yep. Kentucky has given Mark Stoops time to build a program. Nobody's mistaken. But he hasn't, lo- he hasn't been over. He won like well, five games, seven games, eight. He's continued But it was, but it was a slow start when he yes. got there. I mean, it mm-hmm. took a couple of years. Mm-hmm. These programs in the SEC don't have that kind of patience, by and large, anymore. And they should. You know, so you're talking about, you know, what about the coaches? Okay, well, have a little bit of patience. Either that or stop signing these ridiculous contracts with massive buyouts. Yep. It's Tommy Tuberville's fault, by the way. He got this whole thing started. <laughs> you know, But the fact that it, last year we're talking about having to pay out Will Muschamp $18 million to get rid of him in South Carolina, you shouldn't be paying $20 million coaches or dollars for a guy not to coach your football team. Uh, so uh, this is my – let's initially start out by saying I think everybody's going to get a pass in 2020. I don't think any coach is going to oh, get right. fired. 100%. <laughs> Nobody's – no. I don't think anybody's getting fired. Unless they have season. zero buyouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just throw it out there with that. But I, I think the patience factor should be good. I, I would like to see coaches stick it out a little bit more. But I also, because, you know, you recruit these players and you say you want them here for all these years and then you sign them up and then they leave. It's just really, really hard to, to say that. And I just I'm excited for this year because we get 10 games this year. I won't speak about what they're doing in the future. <laughs> I agree. I'm not you're not going to chase me down this rabbit hole because I'm just really excited for this one. I think the SEC has. I mean, they can have some knockout, drag-out, big-time football weekends. I mean, jam-packed. I think it's a Week 8 matchup where you got, like, LSU-Alabama. You got uh, Florida and somebody else. It it is jam-packed with so many of these great games. I think uh, early matchups between Auburn and Georgia, Alabama-Texas A&M. 
that could be the battle for the SEC West big time with Alabama, Texas A&M. So Roman's in studio. We've got a bunch to get to. He's in for the lunch hour. We're going to talk some Panthers football. I got to watch Panthers practice this morning, too. Good I stuff. know you did. That's why I want to get to it. So we, we've got to get to that throughout the course of this hour. But at the same time, in the spirit of talking college football, by the way, love this Waffle House response team t-shirt you're wearing right now. I just got deep in a Waffle House thread a couple of nights ago. We got to talk about this because there is a theory about Waffle House cooks and what they need on their resume to be the best Waffle House cook. We got to get to that, okay? We're going to get to Panthers football. Roman was at practice this morning, but first when we come back, should they play college football? Will they play college football this fall? We'll talk about it with Roman Harper on the other side. You're on the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Roman Harper here on Sports Radio FNZ, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, former Panthers and Saints safety, now SEC Network analyst. He's with us every Tuesday here in the lunch hour. We've got him for about 40 more minutes and a lot to talk about. And a texture, by the way, saying a couple of minutes ago, yo, KB, you were the locksmith yesterday with those NBA overs. Where are the Bailey bets for today? I was hot last week, buddy. I was hot. I, I went 10-6 and six last week. Should have been 11-5. and five. Okay, should have been 11-5. and five. Got screwed. Last night, 2-0. and Could have been 3-0, and but the Yankees and the Red Sox got postponed. I'm hot right now, Rome. I've got the hot hand. I probably just talked myself out of it. Hey, man. Hey, look. Just keep shooting, baby. Just keep shooting? Just keep shooting. Shoot <laughs> and shoot, dog. When you're hot, let, let them go. Let them rain. Let's go. I, I, th- I think I've got good picks again today. No heat checks. Nothing right. like that. There's no heat check picks where I'm just going a little bit crazy. I've, I've got sensible picks right. coming up in about 20 minutes. And Rome's in the house which means maybe we get a, a celebrity pick of sorts while he's in the house. But i got to start with this. Should they play college football this fall in the SEC, ACC, and Big 12? Uh, yes, I, I think they should in the fact of – but you have to be smart about it, all right? If the players are protected and being safe about it, then yes, I think – and I don't think – I just like – look, you got to continue to test these guys two to three times a week, make sure everybody's safe about it and that we're not – you can't go into the game with somebody else and trying to hide it. The only thing that scares me is this. Number one is the students, all right? Because nobody's holding them accountable. Well, you saw right? what happened in North Carolina yesterday. I saw what happened in Tuscaloosa, too, and cats were just lined up at the bar. Look, at the end of the day, everybody's always so worried about the athletes and their safety, all right? And But who's protecting the athletes from everybody else? Because those are the ones that nobody's testing, and you want to bring 30,000 kids back to campus, and we're not, we don't know who knows what they're doing, all right? But we're worried about these 80, 90 kids. And I understand that, which is smart. All right, so first of all, take all the kids out of class. They don't need to go to class. Do everything online. Protect them as much as you can. Keep them around you so you know they're at. All right, number two is we have to the, – the thing that, that scares me a little bit is that everybody's doing it their own way. Alabama's testing and doing about COVID, all that other stuff, to the best of their ability, to what they think is the best ability, Right. And Auburn is doing it to the best ability that they think that they're doing it. South Carolina is doing it to the best ability that they think they're doing it. But it's not singular. Everybody's doing it to what they own. They own what they think is the best and to available thing. To, to and that, and that's point. scary because the NBA is doing it one singular way. Oh, yeah. NFL is doing it one singular way. NHL is doing it one singular way. The conferences should have uniformity. Yes, right? they and, should. And, and they do in season, right? They have that They have that plan in season for these conferences. It's why they wanted to go to a conference-only schedule yep. in large part so they could control that, the uniformity of testing. Mm-hmm. But to your point, just to illustrate it, North Carolina didn't test anybody coming back to campus, not students, not faculty. But down at Tulane, 
you know, in, in your neck of the woods at one point, they got ventilation tents set up. They're testing people going going and coming from campus. This is Tulane we're talking about. Yeah. So, so how do you know? Again, you know, this is the problematic part of the non-conference stuff. You know, but, you know, people are going to say, they're going to hear you say this, protecting the players. Well, Roman, these college kids, demographically, they're, they're the least likely to be uh, susceptible to COVID you know, or, or, or to deal with it in a traumatic way. You know, well, what do you say to that? Why do you want people to be traumatic? Like, why do they have to die? Like, it's, what? It's statistically most, speaking, they're less likely to. Is what they'll right, tell you. But just because you're less likely to die doesn't mean you're going to have conflict. You're not going to have complications later, right? And it, it, you cannot lose any kid. You cannot lose a child to this at all. Like, that's the scariest thing, right? And because of that, I think that is why the Big Ten backed out completely. Was the fact that they wanted nothing to do with it. They wanted no. Nothing. They, they messed up, though. Yeah, well, they, they, I'm they, not me- gonna... they messed up in messaging, at the very least. And I'm not, I'm not saying they made the absolute wrong decision to not play football, because mm-hmm. I'm not the arbiter of that. All I know is the Pac-12 put out a 12-page report outlining all the medical reasons that they were told not to play. Mm-hmm. Even if you disagree, they try to support their decision with the right. facts they had on hand. Kevin Warren's got a son playing at Mississippi State. You know, the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, his son is going to play SEC football potentially this fall. He shuts it down. Yesterday, the AD at Penn State, I think Sandy Barber, was on record saying, we don't even know if they actually held a vote with the presidents and chancellors to even do this, casting doubt as to whether or not the presidents voted, and maybe it was Kevin Warren's decision to do all of this. So, I, I, mean, I just don't think it was all on Kevin Warren. I'm not going to give him that much credit. I, I think a lot of other people, these ADs and presidents, I really feel like they all took a secret vote, and they all said – you know, they just didn't want to be they didn't want to come back on them that if anything bad happens, I, I just feel that way my in my heart I do. And I think that they would risk losing the forty to fifty million dollars that the NF that the NCAA that the college season brings in football wise. They're willing to lose that to bring in kids on campus, the forty to fifty thousand you know, that you how much is it costing for them and they bring in as many students, they probably make four hundred million dollars in tuition money versus losing 40 to 50 million in football money. I think you just look at this strictly the numbers. They're going to go with the bigger pile and that's what they're going with. And they don't, they lose the risk of being blamed if you lose a child in football. So I guess my question too is when you look at North Carolina, all right, Mm -hmm. so North Carolina, they had kids on campus for a week. All of a sudden they had an outbreak. Never mind, We're going back to full remote learning. Yep. Some of those kids will go. Actually, a lot of those kids will probably go home to wherever they came from. Some will stay on campus. There's a school of thought out there that says, well, if it's not safe for students to be on campus, then how could it be safe for the players to play football? I I understand why people would say that, but I also think there's something to be said for the school of thought that, well, this actually kind of helps you set up a de facto Uh, bubble to keep these players away from the rest of the student body, to to which someone would respond – well, that, doesn't that make them essential employees? You know, doesn't that shine lights on the the, the scam that is amateurism? Well, I, I understand that point of view too, but you you can let these players opt out. I mean, they have been. You can keep them on scholarship and let them opt out if it's the best decision for their family. In some ways, this is actually good for football. Well, yes, it is. I, I think well, not having the kids there, I think that is good for football. Yes, it is, and I, I think it can set up a de facto bubble in a sense. And Look, let's stop acting like it's not about the money when everybody knows it's about the money. Always. All right. So let's stop acting like that. So let's shelve that and let's be honest with each other. And the fact of, 
We do not trust the other student body around our athletes who we're trying to protect to put a product on the field so we can continue to go to some kind of normalcy. Everybody wants to see football. Everybody wants to play football. We want football. We want other things that that make us feel normal in America. But we do not trust the regular student body to perform and be right with social distancing, everything that we're talking to athletes about when it comes to social distancing, wearing a mask, being smart about it, washing your hands and all these other things and protecting yourselves about where you go and when you go. Nobody else is abiding by these rules. Not only that, but we're testing our own players. We're not testing anybody in the student body. So why are we allowing our players to go around people that we're not testing and we're not sure about knowing that it only takes one? You get one case and it just spreads like wildfire. And now you're out of control and you look like some Major League Baseball team. <laughs> and Major League Baseball's actually <laughs> been able to get their arms more around this over the past couple of weeks. After yeah, that, after, once they got their mind right, like, okay, we got to stop playing around or we're going to mess this well, up. Well, Rob Manfred said, stop it, <laughs> figure this out, or we're going to shut the whole thing down. Yes. And it worked. What we've learned definitively, you know, that regardless of your position on whether or not they should play college football this fall, what we're learning now, I think we have established at this point, is that sports in a bubble can work. Yes, the NBA is doing it. The NHL is doing it. If you want to play in a bubble, and if you can create a, you know, a safe bubble, it will work if yes, you want to do that. Yes, and I just like the fact that you know, once you go conference only, that we're able to have checks and balances, that we're going to hold everybody accountable to the same type of standard, and we're going to say we're going to test kids a certain amount of times. And I don't want to hear from universities talking about, oh, it's going to cost this much money, oh, a couple million dollars. It, it don't matter because you can do it. Go holler at one of your boosters. They got the money. Stop acting like you don't have the money. Get the money, test these kids, do right by these kids, all right? Because another thing, if you don't do right by them now, all you're doing is giving them ammo to load up and continue to come together, all right, and unionize and mobilize together. And that's the last thing you want. They don't want to see that in the college. They don't want to see it in the NFL. They don't want to see that. So if you don't want to see that, then do the right thing by these kids, allowing them to make money off their own name, image, and likeness. At the very least. At the very least. If you do that right now, that is hush it down. All right? And then do it right and take care of these kids and make sure they're treated right health-wise so they can go out there and put a productive product on the field, which is all they want to do. Players just want to play. So allow them to do that. But give them the proper space and the health benefits that they need to make sure that they are secure and that if I'm a parent, I feel safe enough for what you're doing for my child. Continue to give them the option to opt out of the season while remaining on scholarship yeah, if well, they want to do that. I've heard both thoughts, thoughts of that. Like They are giving them the option, right? but I've should. also heard like players that are speaking up and saying, I don't know, they're kind of getting ostracized as well. So it's just really weird. And I'm not there in that building, so it's really hard for me to you know, specifically say what's what, but I've heard those rumors. And it's just sad for what some coaches and what some people are willing to sacrifice for or win or for them to make sure that they got the best chance to, you know, go out there. Like you said, they don't have time. No. <laughs> they look, and, and I want to be clear about this. I love college football. You and I both I love do. college football. I, I live for fall Saturdays because I love watching. Baseball is my favorite sport. College football is my favorite sport to watch. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing like a Saturday to me anyway. And so I want to see it. I've, I'm trying and I've been trying to make sure that doesn't cloud my judgment, you know, as it comes to, you know, giving a thought or an opinion on whether or not to play football, because I do think it has to be safe. But increasingly, you know, there, there's com there's a compelling case being made that with the testing available and the, the 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 monitoring and the EKGs and everything else after the fact that many of these players will be better off from a health perspective potentially being with their teams than they would be being off campus going to parties or going back home or whatever the case may be. No doubt, but also if you postpone the season like the Big Ten did, all right. When I was in college, the spring semester was my party my party semester. I couldn't yeah. wait 
till spring semester, right? Football, I had to focus on football. I couldn't go out as much. I had like a real, like I was locked down. Spring, bro, I'm taking as little class as I can. I'm going out. Now you're telling me there's no football in the fall and you think that the kids are just going to like stay on campus and be great students and get their GPA up and we're going to continue to work out. No, they're going to hang out more. They're going to do even more things. So I'm, I'm taking the note from the college players president, Mr. Trevor Lawrence, who's everybody's hailed him as this great speaker now for everybody. He's becoming the unofficial president of the College Football Players Union. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Davo, not Union Players Association. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to say. And he said that if they have football, it will incentivize them to actually be smart about what they're doing and where they're going. So at least we can get through the season because everybody wants to play. All right. Roman Harper in studio, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. He's in with us every Tuesday during the lunch hour. When we come back, Roman told us a couple of minutes ago that he took in Panthers practice this morning. I want to know what he saw, what he thinks, and specifically what he thinks about the what seems like an avalanche of criticism being directed at Matt Rule all the time before he's ever coached a game. We'll talk about it next. Roman Harper in studio. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Radio FNZ, Kyle Bailey on a Tuesday alongside Roman Harper, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, now SEC Network analyst. He is in the house. And uh, you, we were just talking about you having a newborn, uh, baby number four. You got your hands full right now. No I, doubt. I, I finally got to tell people a couple of days ago that I'm going to be a dad, which is extremely exciting. I'm glad you shared the news. But I, I have to, and you've known for a while, but I, I have to know like what? What's the move when your when your wife has the the morning sickness? Because I mean, she's running to the toilet all the time, and I feel like I'm just every single time. Hey, you okay? Stop asking me if I'm okay. I'm puking. It's a fair response. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, at some point you just gotta start making jokes about it. Like, hey, do you need me to hold your hair? You know what I mean? Like, you gotta try to lighten the mood and just and it's Kyle, just be quiet. Like, you're not gonna be able to help. She's gonna be miserable, and you're she's gonna and you're gonna you know. You know, a four-letter word rolls downhill, oh, and it's yeah. going to be all on you. And that's just what it is. And you're going to get your butt kicked, and you're not you're not going to be. And now you're going to be on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to the household. Just <sighs> know that. All right, you're going to be all the way at the bottom, underneath the dogs. I hear you. I, you I, and the dogs just go out back. I, I just, I haven't, no, I, I, I say the wrong thing every single time. Oh, I know that. I no know. doubt. You okay? No, puking. Wait, it's wait, point. wait, Sorry. wait till labor happens, Kyle. You're going to get so yelled at and you're going to think you're doing great rubbing her feet. You're doing everything you can just to put her in a great mindset and you're still going to be wrong. She asked me the question the other day. Not that, I mean, I don't want to bore people to death, but I know there are a lot of dads out there. She asked me, she said, oh, I, when I deliver the baby, you're going to, you're going to help deliver it. You're going to catch it. Or you're going to be up at my head. And I said, <laughs> I think I'm going to be up top for that one. I'm going to let the doctor do the job. I don't think I'm cut out for that one. I get it. I'm at the bottom. I, I've been at the bottom for all the mine that I've actually been there for. So, really? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, see, now I have to. Oh, dude, it, I mean, it's exciting to actually see what, like, the the female body can go through. The human body is absolutely amazing. It's it's kind of what it's... Uh, it's an experience. They I'll are way that. tougher than us. Oh, my gosh, yes. They're I, way I, there's no way us. I could do that. All right. So uh, you were at Panthers practice this morning. Yes. And, uh, I'm, I'm hoping virtually. To, I'm, well, okay. So I'm, I'm hoping to catch a few next week. Some virtually, some with some, some media availability. Yes. What stood out to you this morning? 
the really the energy, the juice that they were bringing uh, pre-practice, the way that they're going about it. They're going to do something different every day to try and get the guys fired up early. Uh, they're going rapid fire. They're getting a whole bunch of reps in. They're not staying on the field long, which is great. Because at the end of the day, this is a different training camp. I, I really like it in the fact of they're going to be in and on the in and out of the field. They got a whole bunch of young guys, so we're going to try and get a whole bunch of reps. We're not going to, you know, just kill your legs because we don't get to play preseason games. It's just us. So we're going to be here for four weeks, and we don't want this monotony to build up or six, however long they're going to be out there practicing. So we're going to try and get as much plays as we can, as much reps as we can, and get it corrected in the classroom. We're going to try and spend more time in the classroom so now we can really coach you up about the mistakes that we're making and how we can improve the fastest ways that we can because there's no reason to waste all that time in practice with all these walkthroughs and pre-practice, all that other stuff. Just go play some games. Let's go get some practice time in, and then we'll get it all corrected in the meeting room. So you know a lot of these guys still. I, I know a couple of the guys in this roster. I, I haven't had a ton of conversations about this, but I'm curious what you think. Because I, I came in here yesterday. There's just so much criticism of Matt Rule before this guy really ever even gets started. And and a lot of it's, hey, he's a college guy, which yeah. to a certain extent is a valid criticism, right? Because most college guys have struggled when they've come to the NFL. Now, there are some, they're, they're the Pete Carrolls of the world and coaches like that, but a lot of college guys struggle when they get to the NFL. It seems to me, though, that he's already built and developed a lot of mutual respect among the guys in that locker room. Well, I think he's done some really good things to show guys respect. And I, I think that is the biggest thing. Respect is earned, never given in the NFL. So when you earn the respect of the other guys, then it's going to naturally just resonate throughout everybody. And when he allows KK Short and another player to go drop their kids off on the first day of school, right? That's that's good. Yeah. People recognize that because now we understand that you do still put value in family. And and that's the difference between college and, and the pros is that in the pros, most of us got families. Like, it's a grown man league. It's not like college where we're all young kids. We don't have family. We don't have anything but class in football. So I, I think when you start to do little things like that, people recognize that, that you're still putting emphasis on that, and I still want you to be a family man and all those things like that. That makes you give respect to that man. And when you're seeing you're doing the little things like that, the players are willing to do a little bit more for you and making sure that we're paying a little bit more attention, that we're willing to go out there and fight for this guy because we care about him and he cares about us. Did you see him going through the drills with the tackling dummies yesterday? Did you see I, that video? I, I do not want to see any coach it's going through tackling hilarious. drills. It's, I don't know why coaches do that. Look, the moment you become a coach, stop doing drills. Really? You're, yeah, you're not you're not able to do it anymore. Well, now, to his credit, he did say, because Matt Rule became kind of famous for jump. I mean, he'd throw on the shoulder pads and jump in drills with his guys at Baylor and Temple. He better not do that in the league and get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Baylor or Temple. You know, it's, it's funny, though, because he would do it then. And, and to his credit, he said, I'm too old for that. These guys are too big, strong, and fast now. Yeah. So he did it, but he is encouraging the others in the coaching staff to jump into drills if they want to. At one point, Joe Brady's jumping in as a DB in a drill yesterday, which I love. I mean, well, I, Joe Brady, he's a wide receivers coach by trade at LSU, and he's also an offense assistant. He's young, so he can do it. He's I mean, 30 years old. I was like, he's 30. He can still run and do. I mean, the dude's got I mean, come on. He's all right. Watching Rule club those tackling dummies yesterday and then literally tackle the last one was hilarious. But I, I think that it endears him to the players. They, it's funny. They like seeing that stuff. We, it's entertaining. That is what I'm saying. It's not just normal monotony that we're going through the tackle, the drills and all that other stuff. Whenever you break it up and you make it fun, guys, are, we enjoy that. And it makes practice go by faster and also gives us something to talk about. We also will probably have it on tape so we can laugh at it later. All these other things. So I, I think that's great. Anytime you add anything different to practice, like I saw him this morning uh eli apple was they were doing a strip drill so now instead of the dbs trying to strap strip the receivers 
you know, Eli Apple, they were trying to, wide receivers trying to strip the ball from Eli Apple. So uh, anytime you can do anything different or allow the defensive back to think he's running with the ball, bring him back to high school days, we'd love that type stuff. So, yes. Or you make a, or when he did the kicking competition, or I saw him do a hot dog competition too as well. And uh, I think Gross Matos won it. But it was really entertaining, man. I think anytime you do things like that, it's fun. Not only that, but anytime you can make fun of rookies and that everybody's in on it, it's always a great thing. Like, you're always going to get applauded by the vets. So, when it comes to the defense, right? I'm watching Brian Burns go through drills yesterday. And he's, yeah, freakish. he's freakish. I mean, he's 255, by the way, big enough to play, you know, 4-3 defensive end, or I guess 4-2-5 or whatever they're going to. Is, is that big enough? Uh, not really, but I, it's all about how you're going to sk- – I mean, look, they're going to have him at a wide nine. He's going to be standing up a lot of times, or he's going to have his hand on the ground, but he's just rushing the passer. Like, you just do what you do, all right, and we'll we'll fix everything else behind it. The only thing you got to worry about is, is them running the ball consistently downhill at him. And because uh, he's not going to hold up great in the run at 255. If he is, he's going to have a, a bad back in three years because guys are going to be laying on him. So, um, but all that, I'll address that whenever I see it. And right now, it, they got that. They're, this is what they're going with. And you got to trust in what the coaches are telling you and believe in it. Because if you don't believe in it, it'll never work. So at least let's have the faith to believe in it. And then when it doesn't happen, then we'll start to adjust. But right now, we got it on paper. This is what we're going with. Let's have the mindset that it's going to work and that we're going to be really successful doing the things that the coaches are telling us to do. How do we gauge whether or not this defense is improving throughout the season? Like, is it strictly stats? I mean, you 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 know how to watch film. Like, watching film is an art. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to so many NFL guys that said, look, I thought I knew how to watch tape until I got to the NFL. And yeah, I didn't even watch tape in college. Oh, there you go. So you probably went to film sessions, and that was probably about it, right? I mean, yeah, the- but all I did was watch myself. Like... <laughs> Watch the ball, like, but <laughs> that's all I did. So how, how do we how do we watch this defense this year and know that they're getting better from week to week? So I, I think you will be able to tell from week to week on what they're doing, and also are they improving in things that they were bad at? Right. So from week one to week two, so is the run defense being better? Are they fitting the run the correct way? Are they creating turnovers? So not always statistically, but if they are being really good defensively in the red zone, holding teams to field goals, because that's all they care about. Nobody cares about yards anymore. That's that's such a terrible stat to keep up with. It's more about uh, turnovers. If you're forcing turnovers at a high rate, all right, uh, ball production, which is strips, fumbles, pass breakups, things like that, uh, sack fumbles, uh, creating pressure on the po- the pocket, on the pushing the pocket on the quarterback, which is just getting him off his spot. So if the quarterback, he has a spot three or six yards behind the line of scrimmage, that's where you want to get to. That is the sweet spot. You got to get him to move his feet. If we get a quarterback to moving his feet, his, his production rate goes way down. So those are the things that we're looking at to try and affect the quarterback, whether it's with rusher coverage, all right, and are they making plays on the ball when their turn is called. And that's all you got to do. And third down, you got to get off the field on third down. So if they're doing those things, that's all you can go off of. And they will continue to be better. I think this team will be better early because of no preseason. I think they will benefit off of that because nobody's going to know what they're doing. All you guys take to look at is LSU and Baylor, all right, but – Who's to say they're going to do any of that? So everything they do early, all right, the first four games is is like you cannot put an emphasis enough on that. They need to get as many wins as they can early. So then that will count, and they'll be in the bank for later on in the year when everybody starts to pick up on the plays that you're running, the schemes that you're running. So Teddy Bridgewater, let's talk about him. You you are still connected pretty well to the Saints organization. You've done all the pregame stuff. you got friends down there. I'm a Hall of Famer. You're a, that's true. You are a Hall of Famer now with the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I, we've congratulated you for that before, but congratulations again. They it, it, Everything that I read about Teddy, 
out of New Orleans is not just praise. Oh, they love Teddy. Over the top praise. (laughs) They love Teddy Bridgewater. Why is that? Because the moment he showed up, he showed up in Minnesota, and I remember I was there with the head scouts and everybody. And uh, when he first got there, he first signed. I was there at practice, and they were like, "Look," I was like, "What do y'all think of Teddy?" And they're like, "Dude, we." They couldn't say a negative word about him when we got him. Like everybody, they had high praise of him. And then he got there, and the teammates just flocked to him. He he's a great personality. The city loved him because he did things with throughout the community. He would just show up on his bike. He's just there at high school games. He's just being a part of the community, and he's being one with everybody around him. He's not somebody that you look at and like, oh man, I can't go approach him. I can't be around Teddy. He's going to be this way. And I think that right there is just. It makes it more friendly. It makes everybody else get along because nobody's bigger than the next. And just because I'm the quarterback doesn't mean I am bigger than you. We're all trying to do this together. And not only that, but Teddy's success is based upon everybody else doing their job. It's not like Teddy's just going to go out there and win this game for you. And he understands that too. So he needs to make sure he does his part. So I'm just doing my 111th. And because of that, I'm no bigger than everybody else. So is Teddy more likely to be a victim of the roster surrounding him this year? Or is he going to elevate this roster around him? I think he can elevate the roster. I mean, they got talent. They got talent. It's the NFL roster. They got talent. It's just more about they're going to be healthy. Um, I actually like this year's roster a little bit more than last year's, I think, in the offensively, because last year I only liked the starting 11 on both sides. Once you got past that, I didn't like anybody. You did say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so this year, at least you got some backups that are actually got some game playing, some 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 numbers under them, and actually that you can actually sub a couple guys in. You don't have to look at just the starting 11, because once you get past the starting 11, especially defensively, it's like the starting 11 and everybody else behind them, they're all on an even level playing field. So if somebody goes down, it's not like you have a huge drop off or like, man, who's coming in next? It's more of like, all right, well, we're all on the same page. And that if everybody's doing their job, then we're just going to be who we are. And sometimes the no name stuff is actually better because you're one big unit. And that's the best way to play defense, actually, is that we're all together and that everybody has their 111, that we're all making our one fit and that we're all doing this thing together. And sometimes uh, a unit together is way more stronger than just a really strong individual like a Khalil Mack that can just dominate a game by himself. Now, before we let you go, I've got to talk about what you discussed on Saturday night. In that uh, the Panthers NFC title game rewatch. Okay. You're, you're making an appearance with Kristen Balboni and Jake DeLome and all these guys. You start talking about the game. You had your eye flap knocked off during that game? <laughs> yeah. How does that, what does that mean? How did that happen? <laughs> well, half of it. Okay. Um, so I was making a tackle. Luke came in to finish the running back off and clearly just hit me um, and didn't hit the running back. And it's just a glazing, a grazing blow. And when I got my LASIK surgery, Many, many years ago, they told me that as long as I wore an eye, uh, eye shield, I'd always be fine. Because the only way you can mess it up is if you get a direct finger to the to the eye. And, um, and yeah, he hit me hard enough to where it, like, knocked half the flap off my eye. So they thought I was concussed. And I'm like, dude, I'm fine. It's not my head. I just, something in my right vision is just, uh, it's not coming back. Like, it's real scratchy. I can't really see over there it's what, like what messed is an up. eye flap what is so, that like when you have lasik it's pretty much like a contact that they put over your eyelid your eyelid and then they oh. like laser it on top of it so i have a permanent contact on my eye so i see 2020 all the time oh i don't know much about lasik okay. yeah so then once i got hit like half of that came up and i couldn't see so then i i went into the doctor and the eye doctor came down and he's like did you have lasik i'm like yeah he's like oh well, that explains everything. Like, 
half your late half your flap is up. He said, "What happened to you?" I was like, "I don't know." Like I got Luke hit. Luke, happened to me. Luke hit me, and then like I just can't see. And he was like, "Oh my goodness, this is not good." He's like, "All right, so you cannot play anymore." And like, <laughs> he's like, "He said you cannot play anymore because like because if it came all the way off, I would have had to have eye surgery." So they gave me uh, some steroids and some steroid eye drops, and they put me another protective like lens contact lens on top of it to hold it down and luckily the eyes one of the fastest healing places uh wow. in, your, in your body that's a, so that, that shows you how nasty luke keekley was he just accidentally hit you and knocked your eye flap off yeah he hit me at a high rate he was very fired up actually and he didn't even know he did it and he felt bad and it was terrible <laughs> but it, i mean we won the game it was a blowout it wasn't even close but still though it was like that was one I, I never thought that would happen in a million years real quick we got about 30 seconds i've had a few people ask me this wanting to know what you think about jeremy chin not working out with the defensive backs if memory serves you kind of called that right I don't know, duh, how these people don't listen to me. Like, I told you he's going to play like a Sam-type linebacker because he's too big to play DB in the league, He unless he was going to be the one of, right? That's what I said. Him and the pride kid from Notre Dame, are they the one of? Like, I've never seen a great DB from Notre Dame, and I've never seen a safety 230 in the NFL anymore. So you're not surprised. All right. I told you so. You did. You did say that. <laughs> Roman Harper, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, everybody's favorite Panther safety, and also a New Orleans Saints Hall of Famer, SEC Network analyst. He's got a lot of titles. And another one, podcast host. Boom. We uh, we got a little tied up last week. We, we put our podcast down during the great sports pause of 2020. Yeah, we did. But we're back this week. And if you want to get more details on that, follow us on Twitter, at Kyle Bailey Club. It's at Kyle Bailey, C-L-U-B, and at Harp 41, right? Yes, sir. That's it. At Harp 41, at Kyle Bailey Club. We'll have uh, the, the dropping of our newest podcast episode this week. Find out more about it on Twitter. Rome, appreciate you, buddy. We'll hey, talk man, to you next thanks week. Thanks as always, man. Appreciate it. There we go. Roman Harper in studio on a Tuesday. Our final hour is next, and we kick it off with Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. What does he think about the decision in Chapel Hill yesterday? How does that impact college football? A bunch to get to with Chip Patterson I next. I miss you, Chip. Here in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ.